Welcome back to another episode of The Kingdom. Um, I'm here with a good friend of mine, Carly, who I've gotten to know very well over the last uh, year and a half, I think. Uh, and we'll talk about that. Um, so yeah, you know, just uh, I encourage all of you guys to keep an eye on our podcast. One of our values is uh, is transparency. And we actually have a podcast on our on our uh, values. So, you know, as new people learn about us, it's really a cool way to, to get to know who we are. And I think that that's what, you know, this... This episode here will be a lot about just getting to know Carly, how we got to know each other, and some things we've learned uh, in working together at, at MIT. So, you know, Carly, I'd love to uh, a, have you introduce yourself a little bit and then maybe talk about how we uh, got to know each other. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my name's Carly Chase, and I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Um, so my path has been pretty winding up until this point to get me to MIT. So just for quick background and context about me, I always think context is the most important thing to, to give in any conversation, um, is that I started my career in financial services at Goldman Sachs. Um, about four or five years into that job, realized that that wasn't going to be my final resting place for my career as I imagined it to be and decided to transition to something totally different, went into the public sector and worked for um, Mayor Bloomberg's administration in the final two years of his administration here in New York and worked specifically on setting up the ecosystem for entrepreneurship in New York back in 2012 when the ecosystem here was pretty nascent and we were trying to just compete for market share from Boston and San Francisco and, and sort of play on that uh, global stage at that level. Um, then got the startup bug, decided to operate for a few years, and uh, then got asked by MIT to run this uh, pilot program, this inaugural accelerator in New York that they had been running on, in Cambridge on campus for about five years before that, Delta B. Um, and then ever since, as you know, uh, the Martin Trust Center for MIT Entrepreneurship, where I work and, and Dip has worked in the past and still works from time yes. to time. Um, <laughs> Obviously, uh, we are within an academic institution, which is incredibly bureaucratic and enormous, but the way that we operate as a staff, where there's about 11 of us typically at any given time, um, we very much operate like a startup. So they very quickly rope you into lots of different things if it's a good fit. So I have been there ever since and had no idea that this was going <laughs> to happen to me and be my, my last two years. Hey, it sounds like Phil, right? He started in financial services at a, and uh, has now got the entrepreneurial bug himself, which yeah. is so cool. Yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, when we met at school, you know, I remember uh, we were sitting in a, in it was a strategy meeting with August, with our new yeah. team, right? Yeah. And uh, we were going through how the trust center was going to change, and I think this was right before uh, I started full time at Saluna. I'm not, it's right around the same time. You said it was in August, so I think so. Okay, maybe right after, or maybe October. Maybe yeah, the fall. something. Okay, so. Do you remember we were sitting there? Yes, and, it was fall. It was after the summer program. Yeah. And I remember I barely knew you at the time. Yeah. And uh, and we were sitting in the in the meeting, and Bill was up talking about his. Bill's our, the guy who runs the trust center for you, and the trust center is the the plate like the center for entrepreneurship at MIT. So just physical hub. Yeah. <laughs> and so Bill is the center of the center, Correct. and uh, he was up talking, and one of the other EIRs just started arguing with him. Nick, remember? Yes, Nick's yes. like, Bill, you're full of crap. That's not how it works. And I was like, <laughs> this is going to be fun, right? And uh, I knew we were in for a fun ride because it was it was an environment where um, people have to get to know each other quickly mm -hmm. in order for that environment to succeed yep. uh, at the Trust Center and for it to be as valuable. And I think that as a result, you and I became closer because we started teaching together. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, Carly teaches this uh, this awesome class, which we call Get Shit Done, or GSD. Um, but there's a, what's the official name for it? <laughs> Advanced Entrepreneurship. Advanced Entrepreneurship. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm pumped because we just finished our first semester together, and yeah. it's so cool to see the startups go from the, uh, from the like, through the cycles, yeah. you know? So I, I would love to hear a little bit um, about, uh, you kind of glossed over this, and I'd love to hear more yeah. about kind of your your when you said you operated a bit as a yeah. startup like how you kind of found your fit you know coming yeah. out of finance or did you decide hey I'm gonna just be a finance person and then when you kind of uh, got your footing and started teaching at MIT how is it to at the teach and operate at the same time yeah right it's, and it's uh, the sort of thing I'm always thinking about in my mind I love operating and I love advising and I think of those two things as two totally different roles, but what I'm so lucky about MIT is that I get to do both at the same time. We really treat the Trust Center like a startup, and I operate programs, and I operate um, within this huge you know, bureaucracy, but I also get to coach and teach and really do sort of the advisory type work. Um, so on your first part of your question about transitioning out um, the, the more traditional sectors, I would say, and more traditional like companies, um, finance and government, obviously big behemoths, huge organizations, um, not unlike MIT, um, bureaucratic in different ways. And um, what I learned while I was at the city is that I was working with a lot of startups. So I really had never considered startups that had really never crossed my mind as even um, a career path or things to even look about, you know, to think about. Um, I grew up in a small town in Massachusetts. Most of my friend's parents uh, were in you know, doctors or lawyers, my dad's a financial planner, my mom was a teacher. So like those were my ideas of jobs coming into college and, and actually mostly out of college, to be honest. Mm -hmm. um, and so what I knew that I was really interested about entrepreneurship when I would work with these founders and startups a lot of the time back in 2012 when this was when I was at the city, um, the ecosystem was so nascent. A lot of people, a lot of entrepreneurs, I'm sure not all, but um, some would come to the city and seek our sort of guidance and say, here's the problem I'm dealing with. How can you guys help me? Um, so I was kind of like the startup therapist, <laughs> even in the government, which is a super weird, you know, you never yeah. sort of predict that that's where you'd um, learn about startups and then kind of get that bug yourself. And what I realized, though, was that I couldn't really articulate this at the time why I left Goldman Sachs, but what I realized was I wasn't unhappy. I didn't hate the place. I didn't hate my colleagues. You know, it was 2012 when I left. I lived through the 08 crisis. Everybody, it's felt like in the world, but in particular in New York, I think sort of hated finance when I was in it, which was a tough place to be, first of all, but I actually had a great experience there. Um, but what I realized was I was just limited in the scope of what I could actually do with my day and some of my favorite things to do, which was talk to my like clients which were internal at the time i was talking to the same 20 people every day and i love talking to people and i just wanted to talk to more new people or i just wanted to know what the subway looked like at 2 p.m on a tuesday those were the things i knew that were missing from my life and i didn't really know how to articulate that into like a path um when i got to the city i had this really amazing role where i was basically one of two people that was tasked with figuring out how to make the ecosystem for entrepreneurs stronger, whether you are a tech entrepreneur or a food manufacturer or um, an artist. We wanted to figure out what were the challenges, either perceptions or realities, of why you wouldn't be able to build and grow that company in New York. Um, and what I um, realized in doing that is that I had this opportunity to meet all these new people every day, and I love that. And so that was one of the things I was looking for. And I also um, had learned what operating really meant within a startup because I was exposed to all these entrepreneurs. 
Um, I had a little bit of a subject matter expertise that I was building because I focused specifically on commercial real estate challenges, was the majority of my work at the city for mm -hmm. entrepreneurs. So I got asked by this commercial real estate startup, um, commercial real estate tech startup that was based in Boulder, that was a tech stars Boulder company from like the second class. Um, right and I had worked with them as a partner at the city because they were providing a solution that I thought was really great and that was better than something we could do with tax dollars at the city. You know, our goal was if the private sector is doing it better, let's just actually support that as opposed to putting tax dollars to use against it. Um, and I realized that I want to try, I want to see if I'm good at this marketing thing. I feel, you know, even though you're working in the government or at Goldman Sachs, you're still doing these things that kind of feel like marketing, feel like sales, mm -hmm. feel like influencing, right? You have to influence um, people in really tough, you know, high places who are really strong personalities. Like I was doing all these soft skill or hard skill things, but nobody was identifying them for me. So I realized that I wanted to go to a place where I could say, hey, this is what marketing looks like. Hey, this is what sales looks like. Right hey, this is what product looks like. And actually figure out, was that something I was going to be good at? Mm -hmm. And this was post Techstars or were you with them through Techstars? I met them when they were probably in Techstars. Oh, right on. Yeah. And then they had basically hired this guy who was our like VP of sales. He had never been to New York before. And he was their person that was going to try to launch New York. Okay. And I found him and I talked to him and I said, uh, <laughs> You've never been here. Yeah. You know, by the <laughs> way, like you guys are a tech startup, but you're really a real estate business. And yeah. by the way, this is a real estate town. And to talk to people in New York about real estate, you have to actually know the neighborhoods, what you're talking about. And then I actually went to South by Southwest. I actually totally forgot about this until just now. I was at South by Southwest with the city and um, was at a, met this entrepreneur who um, was transitioning from Boulder to New York, just randomly met him. We went to the Digital Ocean Party he took us to, and I met the CEO of Pivot Desk there. Wow. And they said, hey, it sounds like you'd be a really great fit for this. So you had no real thoughts of wanting to be at Pivot Desk. No. You were just kind of helping them out yeah. through this 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 person that was hired to launch New York and you're like, you have no idea yeah. what you're stepping into. Yeah. You know, let me help you out. And then you just happen to meet the CEO at South by yeah. and he gave you the idea. He's tried yep. to recruit you. Yep. They and that, that put the idea in your head, like, oh maybe I do want to join. Yeah. They were like, how about being a general manager? And I was like, <laughs> cool, I have no idea what that means. Turns out there was nothing to general manage. They had no market in New York. They had a couple hosts. We were an office sharing marketplace. There was a host side and a guest side just like Airbnb. And I just dove in, and the first six months, I was completely on my own. Wow. Um, building up the market, and I got to do every job under the sun. And I wasn't a founder, but I felt, you know, as a founder of New York in the market. And then we ended up being the majority of revenue for the company until we got bought. Is that what you learned was one of the key skills of operating in a startup is uh, being able to do everything and having yes. to do everything? Yeah, and, well, and being open-minded to do it. Uh -huh. And for me, it was a great, I'm so glad I have done basically every role outside of engineering at this point. And it's also helped me identify what I like to do and what I don't like to do. And as we, you know, six years later in from that experience in my career and now teaching it to students at MIT with you, uh, one of the core things to be able to do if you're an entrepreneur is to be able to say, I'm not good at this or I don't like this. Mm -hmm. And just because mm -hmm. you can do it doesn't mean you should do it. And that's <laughs> actually been a really hard lesson for me to learn because I started at a place in my career at Goldman Sachs where no is not a good answer. So to even transition the mindset to being able to say no and this is why and yes and this is why was that's the kind of thinking I like to do and in my experience that is not the kind of thinking at least at a junior level that is appreciated yeah. within bigger organizations. You know it's interesting um, for me to leave my last career 
Uh, we before we started the podcast, Carly and I were joking about uh, telling our parents, you know, leaving yeah. <laughs> leaving very stable, good jobs. And uh, when I left, it was the fact not that I was joining entrepreneurship that they were pumped about. It was that it was MIT, right? Like, yeah. If I if I didn't leave to go to this premier place, I went to work for Bloomberg. Yeah, that was a very see? socially acceptable thing <laughs> yeah, to do. Right. And so there's I was this taking transition a pay cut, drug. but there was a brand. But uh, uh, what was so cool is when I got to school, uh, the president of the university was giving was actually came to talk to the incoming MBAs, which I thought was very unusual. Yeah. And he mentioned that uh, a lot of people focus on their weakness and trying to fix them. Mm-hmm. But he said, here, we want to teach you to understand your strengths, yeah. how to make them great, and fill your weakness with a team, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, that, that mindset, I thought, awesome is, is, yeah, it's such a neat, like, I think foundation MIT, where it's, instead of looking at the negatives, it's understand that the negatives are there, but uh, build the positives. Like, I'm very strong at this, good. Yeah. I'm going to then, clearly, if I build a startup that's strong at these things that I'm good at, that I'm well suited. Yeah. And then whatever the holes are, don't worry that there's holes. Have the have almost a vulnerability to mm-hmm. admit in a very high functioning organization, right? In terms of like the people that go to MIT, like these students we teach. Same. Who are these people? Yeah. Like like I can't believe you're real people, you know? Yeah. And uh and um you know, you meet them but they they have these also these glaring holes. That we that to them they don't necessarily understand that a there's a hole there and if there is that there's people that can fill this gap really well and that they don't have know? to do it themselves yeah yeah, yeah that's the just... and once they see that I, I think in our class yeah we get to see the teams gel a mm-hmm. lot because it's the, a little context is our class is always uh, companies that are already kind of started up at MIT they have teams and they're focused on moving faster right it's mm-hmm. almost like a advanced like you said advanced yeah. concepts yeah. And uh, it's so fun to watch a team grow, you know, over those yeah. few months. Uh, so I'd like to ask, you know, one, uh, we've teased that you have a startup. Yeah. I'd like to see how, and it's super relevant to what we're talking yeah. about. So I'd love to hear about that and your journey and how you run it while teaching. And then also, I'd love to hear about, you know, as you're teaching all these startups and you've seen a lot of uh, startups at, at uh, New York, a, have you seen a difference between startups here in New York and uh, and school? Yeah. And then what are some common things that you always kind of see uh, being messed with? No matter who, how talented the team is, it's like they always, you know, yeah. what are some, some common faux pas maybe that yeah. you see? Okay, let me see if I can remember all those. I'll get back. I'll, 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 I'll time in. I'll time in. <laughs> um, so Crabwalk is a um, basically side, side business I started with a partner um, about two years ago, about a year and a half ago at this point. Um, Laura Casting, who's my co-founder, we actually met when we were both GMs of these real estate tech startups in New York, me at Pivot Desk, she at Managed by Q, which just got acquired by WeWork. Um, and congratulations. Yeah. Okay. Well, she's not there anymore. Oh. <laughs> but, but congratulations to the Q team. They're awesome. Um, and uh, we were those kind of friends who just, you know, met the real estate tech community. When I started at Pivot Desk, real estate tech was not even a concept yet. Now it's prop tech. Now it's this like whole other thing. And it's so crazy how fast uh, the ecosystem moves and grows and um, and builds. And so there were very, very few companies at the time focused on the real estate and the commercial real estate industry. Um, as the sole employee for a long time in New York, um, I decided to make all of the other companies my friends because I was mm-hmm. used to being in an office culture with people. And this was a luxury to be able to have flexibility, but I still missed sort of the 
the team effort um, in person. I had a great team in Boulder, and we worked really, really well together remotely. But um, to have people in New York to get drinks with, that was just like my cadence and what I was used to. Um, and so Laura was one of those people that I met, and we would have those quarterly drinks. We'd talk about, A, being a female in real estate, which is not easy. Um, and we were few and far between. And far between. Um, we would just sort of like say what's going on with our business, figure out how we could help each other. The cool thing about real estate tech is a lot of people are selling to the same huge behemoth like landlords or brokerages, but we all sell different products to them. So mm -hmm. we could actually work together. We weren't really competitive in nature. Um, and the third thing is, you know, we would like figure out who, you know, what we needed help with, who was hiring who, and just like pass, sort of pass that, um, you know, quarterly drink, yeah, like chat cool. along. And then basically- You saw that in defense a lot, right? Because you've, you're working with people that don't, have competing natures, but yeah. the customer's the same. So it's awesome. Yeah, that's it was really, really smart nice. That, yeah, we got yeah, to yeah. do a lot of. Um, I used to do a lot of joint venture marketing, which mean we just like would trade free content and I use each it. other's audiences, and it was a really fun community to be part of. And it's it's helped me a lot. I consult a lot for um, a few real estate tech companies still, which is nice. I am sorry, I gotta ask yeah. this question. Like, we might not, <laughs> not get to everything, actively. but uh, like um. You have this very collaborative nature, right? Yeah. To go and want to want to be around people, see these. That's kind of. I mean, that's not how finance works. No, that's, and that's at least why from an I wasn't outside. Right, yeah, yeah. It wasn't so how the right did you? Place. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, I was collaborative, right? And that's always what's sort of gotten me on my path. And I have been really lucky. I really haven't sort of had to seek out jobs for the majority of my career. I'm always. I'm very opportunistic. I grew up. You know, I consider in 2008 when I learned that value is necessary. You need to be adding value. Oh, you need to have a, a plan point. B. And yeah. I think I'll never, you know, I learned that lesson the first year out of college. I graduated in 08. Where were you when I was Goldman. closing Ecovan, you know, yeah, selling Ecovan? Totally. And, uh, and I'm really glad I saw that, you know, totally scary shit. <laughs> when I was yeah. 22 and in a bubble and it literally happened like three months after I graduated college and all I wanted to do was go back, but I couldn't obviously. Um, and so I'm glad I lived through that, but I have always this. Also being a badass doesn't hurt. Right. If you have a good Thanks. rep, then yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I did really well. My yeah. at the time, I was like, "I'm the cheapest employee here. You'll be fine. You'll be yeah. fine." Um, and I was nice. really happy that I was the most junior person in 2008. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, even at Goldman, I so the people skills, the collaborative skills. I'm a pretty decent reader of people. I'm pretty empathetic in nature, sometimes like to a fault. Um, and so that I I was lucky that I kind of identified that at a pretty young age and realized I didn't know how to articulate it at the time, but I knew that that was kind of like my you know superpower, mm -hmm. um, and so I looked for opportunities to to make sure that that was part of my job. And so that's how I really sort of like pick jobs a lot. Okay, is the things that I feel like I'm good at. Am I getting to sort of show off? And can I meet new people? Like, can I actually keep myself interested enough and get not personal benefit, but just you know be engaged? Things that I know already engage me. That's so cool. So I think it's a I don't think it's a bad thing to identify those things and make sure they're they're somewhat in your job. To yeah, keep you your motivated. roles at MIT they fit those. So yeah, perfectly, and we right? talk about Bill and I talk about this a lot. There's yeah. a lot of things, you know. He um, Bill Alette, who runs the center, he's in sort of like the last phase of his career, and he's doing this completely out of passion, and that's one of the reasons I work for him. And um, and he's a real visionary. I don't and think, I think anybody would argue that he's doing yeah, it out of passion. Out of passion. Yeah, yeah, but so you know, we talk a lot of you know. Sometimes he'll do things that don't totally make sense to us for a staff that you know they're outside of MIT, but they're he's like that's what keeps me going. I'm mm -hmm. doing something that I love and I want to help in this side project. And these two hours I spend with these people, obviously, I give that back in spades to MIT and, and the staff. Um, and I think you have to sort of be really self-aware to figure out you know what gets your energy really high versus. Low, like what fills your tank, what empties your tank. And I think that's a hard thing to actually sort of put your finger on. But if you can make that transition and you can sort of, you know, have that tipping point happen, right. I think um, 
the, 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 there's so many positive consequences to that. That's awesome. Yeah. And how do you help people do that, you think? Because I didn't learn that till school, to be honest with you. Maybe yeah. the latter part of Lockheed when I met some mentors there. I think that the first way you can help identify if somebody probably knows about that magic or not is their confidence level, right? So if they're not that confident about themselves, if they're sort of quiet or don't really see their own value, I think sort of sharing your opinion of their value and sort of getting it out of them is part of it. It's cool. And then I think a lot of students and a lot of people, you know, a lot of people's path to MIT, especially at the graduate level, is they come from these big organizations, they go to MIT, and then all of a sudden they want to be startup people. But they have no context for what that looks like. They've never <laughs> been part of a startup. Yeah, And so exactly. it's great that they want to make that transition, but it's right. really hard to know what that looks like, in my opinion, unless you've actually been... I had no idea, yeah, to be honest with you. Yeah. You know, down the foxhole. Um, so t I think just being vulnerable with them and sharing my personal experiences, to me, A, that gains their trust. Mm -hmm. And so it allows them to start being vulnerable with me. And if I can get them to do that, then I might have some luck in actually helping them identify That's cool. some of those characteristics that they have in themselves. That's awesome. And is that, uh, so yeah, let's go back to Crab Walk. Yeah, right? so Crab Walk, yeah. So, um, so anyway, so Laura and I, long story short, we both made these big transitions out of these two startups at about the same time. She decided that she wanted to be a career coach. She had been operating for a number of years. Um, made a couple of city and career transitions throughout her 15-year career at that point and went full-time into being a coach. I joined another startup. It didn't work out. And um, and then ended up consulting for a few of my friends in the real estate tech world basically throughout the spring of 2017 until I somebody contacted me that was affiliated with MIT and said, will you come do this thing? And I was like, that's the craziest offer I've ever gotten. But Sounds really interesting. Sure, I'll do it. This is such it's a cool place. A, I'm glad they. I'm glad you got that call. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a risk reward, right? Like, and it's and it's having the confidence that you know here's what I think I can bring to the table. Here's what I'm not that confident about. If this kind of outweighs this, then just go for it, right? You'll figure it That's out, true. and it's okay. And I I just try, especially with MIT students. I didn't go to MIT, so I am super transparent. I don't think there's any other way to sort of deal with it than just being as transparent as possible. And if somebody doesn't want to trust you because you didn't go to MIT or doesn't want to engage with you because you don't have their exact experience, which, by the way, is not my experience. That was sort of my assumption, and that assumption's been totally yeah, it's, it's interesting. put to bed. Yeah. Um, I think I've, I've been really shocked at the way that I'm actually – the success rate I've had with connecting I, yeah, to yeah, MIT Yeah, if you students. show value, I think at, the, at yeah. that institution, it doesn't matter. You yeah, know? and it's, it's like, awesome. Yeah. And I've just gained so, so much and feel so privileged to be a part of that. Hey. But Crab walk. So basically, um, so Laura and I started talking when we were both making these transitions. And um, what Laura's really good at, she's incredibly operational focused. She's a mechanical engineer by training and then went to Northwestern to get her MBA. And um, I basically just started talking about my career path, which I had told you at the beginning of this, this talk. And she said, you know, we were just trying to make sense out of it. Yeah, <laughs> she exactly. was trying to make yeah. sense out of hers. <laughs> And, um, and I said, yeah, and by the way, like, you know, I always get, I'm always the person that people in my friend group come to for advice career-wise. Like, I wanted to be a career person at, like, age 12. I was just, like, this little adult person, mm -hmm. way too young. Um, so I've always been super career-focused. So, but I thought my career was going to be at Goldman Sachs. I was just going to, you know, I got my first internship at Goldman Sachs, the call on my 20th birthday. I interned there for two summers. Like I was, I was wow. a Goldman baby and I was like, cool, I can't believe I got into the best bank ever. I'm just going to stay here. I'm going to grow my career and I'm just going to go straight, straight line. Up, straight yeah, there's up. a line. And right? I like, I'm ambitious and I'm still ambitious. I wanted to be on the management committee of Goldman Sachs. And I was like, all I have to do now is put my head down and work super hard. Um, and then I got off that and that was really scary mm -hmm. when I realized that wasn't sort of the end of my story. And so um, Laura said this to me at, 
really one of the first times we started talking about this, she said, that's called crab walking. And I said, what, what do you like mean by that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she said, you know, crabs walk sideways. So sometimes you have to move sideways to, to move forward again. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so that parlayed into basically she took my story and we put it together into a framework. We sort of operationalized it. Um, what the crab walk methodology is today, the framework that we, that we teach right now is basically how to leverage existing people in your life to help you get what you want, even even if you don't know what you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for me, that's cool. Uh, every I've utilized people throughout my life, and I think a lot of the times we go to people who are like our parents, who aren't going to encourage us to leave Lockheed or Goldman, you know, not because they don't love us, but because they're like they want to keep us safe, and yeah. that's the safest you know, th- th- thing they see for us. Or you'd go to like your best friend, my best friend's in film. She's my biggest cheerleader in the world. If I'm going to ask her for career advice or creative ideas of what I could do next. She has no context to what I'm actually like as a, as a work person. But there's this other group of people in your life that you that you just cultivate as you grow your career, and they're ex-colleagues, um, friends of friends who are in the same industry as you, uh, people you meet playing volleyball you know, on the weekends. There's all these people who have both personal and professional context on you, and they're the ones that are going to bring you creative ideas. But what we're really bad as humans is asking for help from those people. So crab walk, the crab walk framework that we put together the first time was how do you actually identify who those people are? Yeah. How do you nurture relationships with them so that you can ask for help when you it's need it? It's awkward to ask for help from Super. people, right? Well, and, and I think common assumption is I need to ask for a really big thing to even ask. And it's like, no, you could just say, you know, tell me about what you do or what do you see in me? What do you think are my strengths? Or, um, you know, I see this person that you're connected to on LinkedIn. Do you actually know what they do? What's their job like? You need creative ideas. This is cool. Yeah. Yeah. And so what we hope Crabwalk will be, that'll be one of many frameworks that we teach. Um, and what we really hope to build in people is something that we call career agility, which is basically how, you know, career is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And by the way, you know, your next move isn't the rest of your life. It's just your next move. And so how do we take that anxiety off of people? Um, and for whatever reason, when we go into career transition, I think in America at least, your self-identity is so wrapped up in your work identity that it's really, really painful for people because mm-hmm. your self-identity is being questioned. It usually is a life event, right? Yeah. Like somebody I, getting laid off or you have to move. Or, or like, holy crap, I went to law school. I paid so much money. I thought I wanted to be this lawyer. I'm five years in and oh, like, man. I don't want to do this. How do you like? Right. How do you actually admit to yourself? How do you admit to people who have supported you along the way? Yeah. <laughs> Um, and I just really believe that the way that the world is, the rapid pace that the world is changing and the rapid way that work is changing and companies are changing that, you know, regardless of whether you're at a startup or at JP Morgan, whatever job you think you're aiming for is going to change. Yeah. Right. So even if you want to be at JP Morgan for 20 years um, or Goldman Sachs, whatever you think you're aspiring to isn't going to be that way. So the, the old way of thinking I go to school, I get a skill, and I'm just like on autopilot. Yeah. I don't think exists anymore. And I think that the consequence of that is that people are going to be in pain a lot more frequently regarding their career than they have been traditionally, and they're going to need a lot more support in those wow. transitions. This is awesome. So that's what Crabwalk's about. And it's for everybody, right? It's not everybody. necessarily for uh, people who are actively looking for a new gig, right? No. No. Yeah. It could be you want to make a change internally. It could be... You just don't know what's bothering you. You just like need to articulate cool. it, sort yeah, of how I felt at Goldman. Maybe. Yeah, you just need a little guidance and you need a support. And what we've learned and what I've learned at MIT is part of this is that not only do you need um, support and sort of guidance through this, but you need a community of people who are like-minded to go through it with. You know, this it's, is so Cohort wild. is so important. And that cohort in, G- in our class, cohort in Delta V and the accelerator I run, 
And in CrabWalk, we turned it into a five-week program specifically so we could actually build a cohort of, of like-minded people. People to help people. each other. Yeah, and that That's is awesome. one of the most valuable things. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. You know, we taught a boot, I taught a boot camp in Mexico, and I tried to, like, uh, have them create a cohort. And luckily, the other instructors from Mexico mm-hmm. created a WhatsApp group that's still being used, you know? Yeah. I, and this is how I met John and got this job, right? Because John was an advisor to me as peers when I was mm-hmm. uh, going through issues with, with Ecovent, e- yeah. both when we were growing and going down. And then after the transition from Ecovent, he called me when he was looking for a, you know, he's like, who do you know that could be a CTO? I yeah. go, I don't know anybody, man. Yeah. First, you need to talk to me about what you're, what you're doing before right. I intro you. And, uh, you know, I knew I wanted to work for the guy. That's why. And um, so I want to, you know, you mentioned a lot of things about Crab Walk, which is like the jobs are changing, career agility, skills that you had and you might yeah. have trained for for the 10,000 hours yeah. to become a master may no longer right. be relevant. Uh, how have you, like, let's try and get that last topic. We're, we're running out of time, but let's yeah. try and get to that last topic of like, You've seen a ton of different entrepreneurs now, right? Yeah. What are some common things that people just misconceive about in entrepreneurship? And maybe what do they do super well, entrepreneurs, and yeah. what do they not do so well? Yeah. Uh, at least raw entrepreneurs, right? Yeah, so I think the main big theme, um, which is really all of, all of what we try to teach at MIT, is having discipline. And I think that translates in so many different ways, but we teach a framework called Discipline Entrepreneurship, so we'll start there. And it's discipline throughout. It's discipline and actually um, discipline and, and focus. <laughs> like I, we have, a, I think you would agree with me. We have a lot of students who, you know, before they come to MIT, they're influenced before they meet us and actually learn our framework and learn our discipline way of actually building companies. They listen to the media and they read TechCrunch, and those are you know great stories that are put into the media, but they're typically all about how hard you can hustle, how fast you move. It's about values that aren't really, frankly, like useful, I think. <laughs> um, you know, Bill actually got on stage once that I saw him and, and happened to have Wire magazine, and he just put it on this, it was, he was uh, presenting to a bunch of NYU entrepreneurship professors, and he said, uh, like, I think the, the something, you know, involved like killing it or something. And Bill was like, if we don't teach entrepreneurship, if we don't actually make this a respected field of, that somebody could make a career and there's like a way to teach it, a, a disciplined way to teach it, this is how people are learning it. So I think they come in with that mindset and it's really hard to get them out of it. Uh-huh. And that, you know, number one is discipline, like discipline and focus, discipline and execution, discipline in how you're gonna learn, how you're gonna spend your time, um, discipline in how to make a decision. <laughs> prioritization. Deci- yeah, prioritization. <laughs> so I think, you know, lack of discipline for sure. Um, a lot and of these them- these are usually very high functioning people. Incredibly. Who choose to but become, they just, you know. Again, they don't have the context of what yeah. a startup is and they, right. they their, their context is Silicon Valley, the TV show, and and <laughs> which, Wired Magazine, and TechCrunch. Which is true in a funny way. Yeah, but not, like not Twitter, the, not where, a, yeah, again, not a reference people, manual. Yeah. yeah, some people are vulnerable on Twitter, but most are just talking about how awesome their raise was. Like we used to talk about this at Pivot Desk. We wanted to say like, good luck when people raise money, not like congratulations, because all that means is that you have to go spend it really responsibly. You know, somebody <laughs> at this talk, you know, Carly invited me for yeah. a talk, and uh, somebody at the talk, super successful entrepreneur, he's like, how you doing? I had this smile. I'm like, I'm yeah. doing great, man. He's like, that looks like a, you know, he's like, anytime an entrepreneur says they're doing great, he's like, what's really going on? Yeah, right? exactly. I was, like, I was like, all right, exactly. man. So it was really cool. You're right about being vulnerable. All yeah. you, A lot of what you see out there is the, which is counter to most news. Yeah. It's positive news. Yeah. Right? Most news is negative, right? These, yeah. There was this, there was these car accidents, whatever. But yeah. with entrepreneurship, it's 
look at all these amazing success stories. Yeah. But there aren't many uh, of the vulnerable pieces, you know, yeah. some people. But well, not... a lot of them don't have really solid whys for what they're doing. So the why tends to be the outcome. The why tends to be, oh, I want to be able to say I raised venture capital. or I want to be able to say I did this. And it's like, if you don't like the journey. So I really emphasize the hardships of the journey. And if you're mm-hmm. not in it for the journey, it's going to be really painful for them. And they are students with MIT degrees that could go get any job they want. So I try to just like shake reality into them and say, do you really want to do this? Because this is going to be really, really hard. Um, and hard in a way that you're not used to because uh, – Yeah, and I, most, think our, you know, yeah. I think we see that in our class all the time, right? We do. Um, and one of my goals by the end of the summer when I run my summer accelerator is hopefully somebody will put up their hands and say, this is not the lifestyle for me. And I think that's a great and we've seen outcome some of that. we can have. We've yeah. seen some of that, actually. We have that in our class, yeah. So, okay, so that's some stuff that even if you're a very high-functioning person, entrepreneurship has characteristics, and those, those characteristics should be something that you value, yeah. or it might not be the right career path. But it is a career path. It it's is, a, it's absolutely. Like, and skills you can learn and discipline mm-hmm. and focus and frameworks that – there's lots of frameworks. There's and lots of them, yeah. I don't know. I like I like the one we teach. You know, that's why I'm. Me you too. Know, We're biased. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, we should like the one we teach, yes, right? Is it perfect? Who knows? But it seems to be effective. I think. Yeah, and it's and that's what I teach them. And I think I think if I had to sort of like summarize what they all what they all don't realize is that entrepreneurship is building a series of muscles, and you can't build muscles overnight. And so having the patience, which is, again, part of the journey, if you just want to build, like, if you just want a six-pack tomorrow, you're probably, like, not in the right area of career. If you are if you understand that a six-pack takes, you know, months of hard work and dieting and exercise to do, then then maybe this is for you. But We're talking about I, abs here, I'm not talking, beer. Yes. <laughs> well, both, but yes. Uh, yeah, so I think I think they don't, you know, I think we, I think as a, as a cohort, and maybe this is because they're super high achievers, I would say, you know, I just try to calm them down and bring yeah. them to reality and get them to focus on one thing at a time and teach them, you know, I'll get a lot of students who have spent a lot of time at McKinsey and they're like, oh, I, I want to know the exact answer to this and I need to hire out for this. And I'm like, no, 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 this is all about you. You need to understand your customer. You need to understand your markets. You need to understand if you're going to have to make a decision of whether this business is viable. And if you're not in that every day, how the hell are you going to yeah, make that decision? Yeah, there's no report for this. Yeah. That's the definition. It's new, right? Yeah. 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 So Very I think, cool. So I think getting them to make decisions quick, getting them to make decisions that are well-informed, um, they're used to doing that, but in a totally different way. So sort of reframing those questions for them and those tasks, it's it's that's what I'd say we do at MIT in entrepreneurship. We reframe their mindset. Yeah. No, that's cool. Yeah. So we're out of time, and uh, we All didn't right. get to a lot of what we were supposed to. So that's we okay. should do this again, basically. Sure. Cool. Yeah, we'll right on. Thank you, Carly. All right, everybody. See you soon.